This is The Dime, a 10-minute dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. As always, I've got my right-hand man, Kellen Finney, here with me. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Kevin Carrillo. Kevin, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on. And Kellen, what's up? Good to see you guys. Good to be seen, you know? Absolutely. We've got some special topics, ones that I know the internet waves have been seeing for a while. And Kevin, before we hop in, I'd love for you to kind of give a little bit about your backstory, how you got into the space and kind of educate the listeners on the value you bring to the industry. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I won't, won't go too deep. We might get into that later, but at a high level, I started Cannabinoid Connect podcast back in April or excuse me, March of 2020 with the central mission to dispel all the lies and stigma that's associated with cannabis. You know, we live in 2021 now, and there are a number of testimonials of people that have used CBD and THC and other minor cannabinoids to improve and enhance their daily lives. So, you know, the mission of the podcast is just to have smart people on from different disciplines that really educate and inform people, you know, about the plant's endless benefits, because there's a lot of them. I love it. And a little bit about your background. Yeah. So my background grew up in the land of enchantment, uh, New Mexico, 30 minutes outside of Albuquerque town called Belen. Um, and it's actually timely because New Mexico, and we can get into this, but they actually have less than 24 hours to get their bill passed uh, for, for rec uh, this legislation season. But uh, anywho, I, I grew up in Belen. I wrestled all my life, came from a wrestling family. I was recruited to Bucknell in Pennsylvania to wrestle. Uh, I wrestled for one year there. And after I hung up the shoes, uh, that was when, you know, I, I wanted to live a more kind of fulfilled life and cannabis was part of that lifestyle. So that's really where I started to become a, a big consumer of cannabis. Curious to know how that first taste with the plant was right after you hung up the the, sh- the shoes. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, like we talked about it before we started recording, like wrestling's a, a grind. It's a tough sport, right? I mean, there's so many variables, not only as a D1 athlete for all sports, you're working, you know, working out hard, you got two a days, but then there's that weight management factor, right? You're, you're constantly cutting weight, main, maintaining your diet. And it gets rough when you're going to class and, and doing all that. So I, I really give those, those athletes a lot of respect at the college level. So yeah, I mean, after that intense kind of lifestyle, you know, being able to just go to class and, you know, do my studies and then smoke cannabis and, and unwind, it was a great transition, man. And it, and it has to stop, you know, I'm 32 now. So just been c- continuing to, to make it part of my lifestyle. Awesome. So let's get into the questions for today. As a fellow tribe member of the MSO gang, Kevin, for the people out there that are unfamiliar, what is the MSO gang? The MSO gang is a movement, in my opinion. You know, if you're familiar with the Twitter world and you're you're kind of within the financial markets and you're following different people, Bitcoin's kind of a big revolution, right? And I see the MSO gang um, emerging as that same type of of coalition in that group. And so, I think what the MSO gang means is it's it's awareness around the high caliber companies that are currently operating within the United States. You know, on the, on my podcast, we've talked a lot about how there was this focus in 2018 with the Canadian LPs, right? Because they were one of the first to list within the Canadian exchanges, the Til- Tilrays, the Afrias, the Auroras, and you know, you didn't really hear much about the multi-state operators, but, you know, now as more states are coming online uh, in the U.S. with either medical or, or adult use, 
these MSOs are really starting to shine. And so I think that these, the MSO gang is the early adopters that really see the value of these companies and they see that this is an opportunity for generational wealth. And, and we're all about the mission and the movement to just, you know, make cannabis more accessible to people. Yeah, it's definitely a movement. And when you think about it, you got like the Elon Muskers, like the diehards, right? The Bitcoiners and the MSO gang. And just seeing the three of those operate on the internet, sometimes they all bleed together. Kellen, have you any experience with the MSO gang? Are you a part of that tribe? Well, I'm definitely part of that tribe. I like it because um, I'm not uh, investing as like a new new hobby for me. I'm only like two years into it, right? So I just started like two years ago, but... I was always like getting frustrated trying to like invest in cannabis because I'd like I'd pick one company and I'd watch it for a month. I'd be like, it's not doing anything. And then I'd like move over to another top company. And I was like, oh, now that company's doing something. And I'm like playing this back and forth game. And I was like, I wish there was a sweet ETF that I could invest in that gave me exposure to all of them. And then lo and behold, the MSOS, right? MSOS, right? Came yep. out and <laughs> um, and it was perfect. So I just reallocated all a lot of my cannabis assets into MSOS. And I've been very grateful ever since. So <laughs> that's my experience with it. I mean, you probably could speak a little on a higher level about it, eh, Brian? I think it's more about an educational movement. I think the biggest, at least in my opinion, the reason MSO Gang was formed was because people on Twitter took to the internet and said, we're sick of having U.S. leadership on the television and them showing Canadian tickers. Something is a massive disconnect. And I think it took that sort of movement for people to be like, okay, like, let's just break it down. The companies that operate in Canada are not U.S.-based companies. How to determine that? They're not MSOs. And I think that's kind of the MSO gang. And I think it continues to come back to what you do really well on your podcast, Kevin, is continue the educational movement, right? It's an educational movement of kind of opening the eyes to the rest of society about the fact that differences between U.S. and Canada, massive differences. The operators in the U.S. are growing substantially. And I think that starts with understanding from an educational level where we need to go. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Brian. I mean, education is key in so many different facets of this industry. You know, um, you mentioned on the investment side and, and the education awareness around um, these multi-state operators, right, that are performing very, very well in states like Florida. You have TrueLeave, right? You've got the Cresco Labs and CureLeaf and uh, TerraSend out of New Jersey. And so it's so important that that people understand and are aware of these these companies right because there's a there's a window you know and we're kind of in that that opportunistic window where they're not really heard about and known about and when that time comes when safe banking happens institutional investors come in and ultimately these MSOs are listing within the the Nasdaq exchange um, it's going to be a whole different story, you know. And education, like I said, in, in different facets, you know, also on the the stigma side, right, and the medicinal benefits side, right. There's been so much misinformation and disinformation over the years due to prohibition that it's really on you know the MSO gang and consumers of cannabis, advocates of cannabis, to really step up and and you know be comfortable, get out of that cannabis closet, and and just be part of this movement because it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to really change the world for, for the better on, on multiple reasons. So continuing on that, my question to you, Kevin, is you've had a ton of really great guests. Which guests on your podcast has surprised you the most? I'd say the one that really stuck out to me the most was sitting and talking with Len May from Endocana Health. 
And the guy is really articulate and, and savvy when it comes to like our endocannabinoid system and how these cannabinoids and secondary compounds like terpenes and flavonoids, how they interact with each of our unique body chemistry. And, you know, being in a, a state like Texas where we have a, a barely a medical program, right? It just fascinated me because if you're, if you're buying in the illicit market or, or even, you know, if you're buying CBD at a, a retail shop, for the most part, like we still don't really understand everything what's in those strains. And I mean, like, again, the terpene profile, the cannabinoid ratio. And, we, and then to add to that, we don't even really have a clear understanding of our endocannabinoid system and our genetic makeup. So we don't really know, you know, if we're super sensitive when it comes to this cannabinoid or that cannabinoid. So in, in our conversation, the way he was explaining this stuff was just, it blew my mind and it just really... Um, level set me in the way that we still have so much to learn, not only about the plant, but also ourselves and how, you know, we both biologically, um, you know, synergistically come together. Kellen? No, I think that was really well said. And I think that that right there is where a lot of excitement, at least in the in the scientific industry is, is just from, I mean, it's this brand new opportunity for scientists to come in and just be able to to publish low-lying fruit. I mean, there's just no fundamental research out there, right? Because of prohibition and kind of like the scientific blackout, if you will, associated with the prohibition. And so like when I got in the industry, you couldn't look up the boiling point of THC, right? And so it's just insane how far we've come. And I mean, there's just ample opportunity for discovery in terms of the endocannabinoid system, additional cannabinoids. I think they come out with like, they discover new cannabinoids like every month now, right? right? Yeah. It's it's pretty phenomenal. So like, that's probably one of the most exciting things from a scientific perspective in terms of um, this opportunity right now. How, how long is it going to take to figure that out? I mean, we're talking about personalized medicine, about endocannabinoids. We're talking about cannabinoids that are coming out each month. How long is that going to take, Kellen, to, to kind of get the ball rolling on that and us to start kind of putting these pieces of the puzzle together? I don't think it's going to take long, like from a scientific perspective, in terms of like doing the science and developing like the actual conclusions from these experiments. What I think is going to take a really long time is going to be the red tape and the regulations and actually getting these medicines into a channel to be delivered to consumers that is the federal government's comfortable with. It's really where I think is going to be the biggest obstacle. But I mean, in the 20, I mean, just look how fast they came up with a vaccine. You know what I mean? If, if there's the resources there, Right. And, <laughs> but I mean, if it's true, though, if the, if the resources are there, we can make an immense stride, scientifically speaking, in a short amount of time. I agree. I mean, if, if there's that focus and see, and that's the thing, right? We just need to get people past that point of the stigma and the misunderstanding of the plant. And, and that's where that education factor comes in that Brian mentioned of if we can really start to communicate the benefits, you know, even if they don't want to be a part of it or have it near them, at least be open to, you know, reform legalization on the legislative you know, side so that we can really start to improve lives in, in so many different ways, whether it's therapeutic or medicinally, economically or environmentally, right? Because there, there is just so many benefits, but education is just, you know, it's, it's going to, it's a central kind of key, you know? Right. And I think the first step with that is kind of fixing what's wrong with society, with all the people that are obviously imprisoned for the plan, and then starting to look at the plant from the positive stand. 
too much of society is like looking at things from a negative standpoint of you got to take a drug test. And it's like, okay, he had a little THC in his body. Maybe he used it for medical reasons. Maybe he doesn't, doesn't have a job anymore. We, we have to stop with all that. We have to, we have to put the fundamental truth in front of us, which is this plant helps people. And then from there, we can start the building block from an educational standpoint. I don't know how that's going to take. And Kellen, I disagree. I think it's going to take a long time. And while I wish it'd be fast, because obviously, you know, speed for me is always crucial. They're not going to operate in warp speed. It's just impossible. There's going to be too many legislative hurdles. There's going to be too many lobbyists holding things back. And big pharma is, I think, going to cause more issues than they're going to help. I think they're looking to get in. And by looking, I mean, they're jockeying for position as we speak in different areas. And I think that involves them continuing to kind of build that mode of patents to protect themselves so that when the green light comes on, they're not starting at zero. They're 50, 60% into the industry. Let's talk about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. That's right. No more excuses. Get your lazy ass off the couch. Go start a podcast. There's the creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Once again, no more excuses. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Could it be easier? Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. They're paying us for this ad. Thank you very much, Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. I think one of the biggest misnomers about big pharma where i think they're going to struggle in the cannabis space is there is a law and it's not law it's you just you can't patent nature right and so pharma can't patent thc pharma can't patent cbd right gw has a patent on cbd with some other plant chemicals and some other formula chemicals that they formulated in there they have a patent on that formulation specifically but it's the molecule cbd that is the abi within their their pharmaceutical drug right and so i think that that's going to be one of the biggest challenges which why they haven't jumped into this right is because they can't patent plants and they can't patent the natural extracts they can't patent the actual flower itself and so there's not this there's not like a free monopoly that they can come grab like they can in all these other health sectors, right? And then the other really complicated thing about cannabis and hemp as a pharmaceutical is pharmaceutical companies hate side effects. The way that they mitigate all of those side effects is by doing single molecule drugs, right? So it's a single molecule, it's an API, right? And that's just one specific molecule and then they eliminate everything else. So they know that if something, if some side reaction is happening inside this individual, it's because of this one molecule versus cannabis is hundreds of molecules. Even the extract you're talking, terpenes, flavonoids, THC, CBD, all these other different minors, right? And like trying to decide like what is causing a specific side effect through clinical trials with that kind of a a cocktail, if you will, is going to be an obstacle that pharma has never tackled before, right? That's why they do the single molecule APIs, right? And this is this is the staple of big pharma. So I think that those two factors are going to make it really, really challenging for pharma to come in and just w- wipe the floor with everyone. You know what I mean? There will be a large sector of pharmaceutical-related cannabinoids that they... It's not going to be THC. It'll be like a, a derivative of THC that nature doesn't make that 
has a similar interaction, right? And they'll be able to patent that and there'll be a little a, a channel for them to kind of own their little lot, if you will. But I don't think that they're going to come in and, and mop the floor with all these other big companies because of, of those two uh, those two factors. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but that's just my perspective on it. What do you think, Kevin? I mean, I don't know enough about it to like in that particular area. I know that you're right. Like when, when Kellen mentions that uh, GW created that it's a synthetic it was, was it called like marinol or some, something with yeah, an m marinol 100 yeah yeah and it was it was like for epilepsy right it was their kind of entrance into the pharmaceutical space with synthetic cannabinoids so that was interesting and so i mean that makes more sense when you explain it that way of why they went that route because um they'll they'll always do that i guess or um but but when i when i think about it brian you what you mentioned i i think you're right in the sense of like they're playing both sides right now pharmaceuticals the pharmaceutical industry they're they're playing the one side where they're beefing up their lobbyists and continuing to you know distribute the misinformation and the propaganda right to to protect their interests but then i think the the side of course they're doing their own r&d and and studies to really see where they can play in this space space once it inevitably becomes about right and so i just think it's interesting i think that where where we can kind of step in and really move the needle is like like doing what we're doing here, podcasters really getting the word out, and then groups of people. Like you're seeing celebrity brands come out, right? You've got Seth Rogen's uh, Houseplant, you've got Jay Z, uh, Monogram. So those celebrities, those pro athletes, they have influence. They got people following them. So there's one way to remove the stigma, start to educate on the benefits. But then there's also, you know, um, the people that actually need it. So those testimonials that we mentioned earlier, those are super important. We need to get those out. How can you argue with someone who's saying that, you know, what they took makes them feel better as opposed to the other 15 medications that they're on? You know, and then the last group I think that could really uh, be a huge voice and proponent to move the needle forward is women. You know, I think that there's tons of uh, benefits when it comes to women's health and wellness with cannabinoid uh, therapeutics. We've seen it in history play out with Queen Elizabeth and others. And so I think that if that group kind of got together and started to raise their would go on, you know, the Today Show and all those accepted mainstream media shows to start to destigmatize this, I think that, you know, that that'll really start to move the needle and maybe put pressure on the pharmaceutical companies to work with us more instead of trying to do their own thing, you know? The women for sure decision makers, right? That's the, as a marketer, that is your target demographic. When you want the sweet spot of understanding who are the power players in the space, they're the decision makers. They're the ones that understand exactly like, I'm going to get this. And then they're the ones at home being like, you're going to take this, Brian. Like my wife's like, by the way, I saw this, like you're, you're taking this product. And I was like, okay, like this is something I'm definitely interested in taking now. Um, and to, to kind of continue on your first point though, about the pharmaceuticals, Kellen and I've spent some time digging around the patent space and I can tell you that is a rabbit hole in a rabbit hole. And when you get down into the, the minor cannabinoids and understanding the direction they're going, big farmers are already lining up their moat. And it's not that challenging to go find it. It's just a matter of like, these guys are here. And not only are they here, they're already positioning kind of their fortress of saying like, this is the route we're going to take. And whether it takes six months, 12 months, two years, we're here, we're ready to play. We've done the research in some aspects. We think this is the direction we want to go. And it's exciting to, to say the least, because obviously it could just be, you know, pre pre studies and, and kind of taking the early steps, but just showing that they're advancing in is really, really exciting. Yeah. I mean, it legitimizes everything, right? It starts to really flip the conversation from that's a schedule one narcotic. It's bad. It's illegal to, 
wait a second, wait, what? It, it does what? And we have an endocannabinoid system. And what's the CB1 receptor? What's the CB2? You know, it starts to open that dialogue. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. So Kevin, favorite company in the space and why? Favorite company in the space. I, I like I like Cureleaf. I like their recent announcement where like, you know, I, it was new. It was a change. It was different from what the other MSOs are doing because they're really, you know, you're seeing Terrace and really try to get their foothold in the East coast. You've got, you know, Florida hyper-focused with, I mean, truly hyper-focused in Florida gauge in Illinois. So I liked that Cureleaf made that announcement about purchasing uh, that European medical company. I forget the name of it or something like that. Yeah. So it kind of tells me that they're looking even outside the US. They're really trying to be, you know, the major player. And so, um, and I like their leadership team. You know, I've listened to the CEO on their on their earnings calls, Joseph. Well, I forget his last name. It starts with a B. Baron. Uh, Baron, yes. And then you got Boris, Boris, of course. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like them and uh, but but they're all great, you know. I mean, these are savvy investors that have been in the space for a long time. And they're, you know, you can tell that their legacy as opposed to some of the other private equity guys that are stepping in because um, they just, they know the industry, you know, they, they know it from end to end. And that's what is exciting just to be a part of it as a, as a stakeholder. Kellen, who's your favorite? I'm a little biased. I like uh, a smaller company called Swazi. Have you heard of them? They, uh, yeah. they're, they're, I think they're only strictly focused in Colorado right now, but they're going through buying a bunch of, dispensary outlets the dispensary outlets called starbuds and so from the very beginning starbuds has been around and like i just the way that they run their business from a, a storefront and the education and just like their branding i was a big fan of them and i'm a colorado local so like support my state right and um, <laughs> <laughs> i think they were formerly known as medicine men right and then they went through like a merger and rebranding and now they're swazi they're not really as well known. They don't nearly have as much volume, but they are they are publicly traded as an OTC. But as far as like one of the bigger players goes, I would say Columbia Care probably just because I think that from a business perspective, they're they're really sound, right? Um, they've they've done a lot of organic growth, the really, really strategic acquisitions of the green solution in Colorado, which is Probably this one of the top two, my second favorite dispensary brand in Colorado, right? And then their strategic acquisitions out in, out in California. I think that they were very patient and they're really thoughtful on how they've been um, expanding and, and kind of growing that uh, footprint. And so that's kind of why I, I'm a big fan of Columbia Care as well. And so those, those are my two jams. What about you, Brian? I think from a leadership perspective, we're really spoiled. The, the top MSOs all have really, really established strong yeah. leadership. They each have different skill sets with an understanding strategically on the direction they want to go. Some focus on operations, some on financing. You can literally pick any of them. They're really good. My favorite is uh, Ben from Green Thumbs. I mean, he's continuously... He's spreading. awesome. He's been spreading. killing it. Yeah, he's been spreading killing the, the people on the like on CNBC. They're like talking to him. They're throwing him like stupid questions. And he's like, <laughs> we believe in science and we believe in... We like hard, facts are hard, right? Like new facts, I think he said, are like hard to understand. He's correcting them and he he doesn't really bend with it. Like they continuously ask him silly questions and he continues to push really informative information and it starts with understanding that the consumer wants more cannabis and that the future consumer isn't just going to be the one buying flour. They might be having the drink can, which 
nicely displayed on the media, right? Perfect product placement. And it shows it's not a not a replacement for the person consuming flour. It's a replacement for the alcohol industry. And I think once people understand that they're going to be competing in multiple product categories, the cannabis industry can go a million different ways and can kind of explode in a million different ways. And it's an exciting opportunity. It's not just this vertical. It is like a takeover effect. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. I'm so glad that you called out Ben because that was awesome, man. Like I, and you saw everybody just kind of come to support him because he was just so composed, so articulate. And, and, you know, he he just came back with facts straight up. Like, you know, we need to start holding these policymakers accountable for the statements that they're making like that. The governor from Nebraska, uh, Ricketts, who, wow. who, you know, basically went and these are verbatim. His exact words were, "If you legalize marijuana, you will kill your kids." Statements like those um, need to be challenged, and Ben did that to a T. He he did a great job, and uh, yeah, I think I think you're right, man. The more like you know of these of these leaders within the industry that step up like Ben's doing it's only going to help because it's going to make these policymakers change their 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 game plan you know they're going to start to realize that those ridiculous statements don't play out in 2021 we're too savvy as, as consumers or even non-consumers to understand that you know there's no addictive properties to cannabis there's no recorded death of an overdose of cannabis right so that was that was awesome for sure but why does he say that why do you think at least like why is he making that sort of outrageous statement it's such a good question because i've asked that question too it's got to be one of two things it's either he's ignorant and he's heard the same rhetoric and has no experience with the plant and so he's just kind of going off of what he's heard or he's protecting interests right we know that there's super PAC money for both of these parties. You know, we know that big tobacco and big pharma play a big part in those super PAC, you know, efforts. And so, you know, it could be that also where, you know, he's, he's talking to these people. But again, like if it's that case, then he's going to need to come up with new material because that shit is not going to work. I mean, both those could definitely be it. I, I could just imagine he's like circling something with a Sharpie being like, this is exactly where I think the death spot is. And you're like, sir, like, I don't know what you're doing here. I mean, that's an outrageous statement, though, that he made. And the fact that there are no recorded deaths and that he's just continuously pushing against the the huge momentum, right? Like, we're moving. It's going forward. We're going to legalize more and more states. Right. Literally, we're going there. And for him to say something that's so asinine in 2021, wow. Kellen, you have thoughts on why he would say something like that? Just a guess. Guys, I want to talk to you today about one of our new partners, CESC. CESC is a nonprofit organization providing a compelling and complementary alternative. They represent the ability to harness a flexible, collaborative approach to scientific advancements. They are comprised of leading doctors and researchers in the cannabis and cannabinoid science space for almost a decade. Their act first, talk later operating principle has now led to a successful series of disruptive innovations in the cannabis science space. They need your help now. Join them, collaborate with them, or support them. Go to thecesc.org to get involved now. Together, we can change the world. I would say it's the latter. I mean, I wish that he could play ignorance in that and that it's rhetoric and all those things. But like at the end of the day, like I think that, I mean, he's a politician. He needs money to run for his elections. And like literally, he is... Pleasing one of his donors is the only thing that makes any sense. Like we could entertain <laughs> the other factors, but like, let's be real. Like he's probably right, just like right. 
doing a favor for his old buddy who wrote him a big check. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's how that world works. And so like, it's nothing wrong with it. It's just how the world, that's how that politic world works, you know? So, I mean, especially with something as just audacious as that kind of a comment, you know what I mean? Like just so out in left field, like your children could die if we legalize it. Like if we legalize it, like everyone's going to, we're going to have militias and anarchy. And exactly. Like, Kellen. Like, that's what I thought. Like, like what kind of like finish your thought when you say that, like, what do you mean? There's so many different ways you can interpret that statement. And he's like literally at a press conference. So like everything's written down. I mean, we live in a world where you tweet something and it, you know, it's, it's crazy. I can't believe he would say it. Yeah. This is, this is how I envision like that scenario in my head. And maybe this is just me taking a dive is that he got this piece of paper and it was from his donor. And he's like, do you want me to say this? <laughs> this is, he's like, exactly like this. He's like, people's children will die. And he's like, but I don't agree. They're like, you're going to say that and you're going to mean it. And he's like, you got it. Like get up there. And like, just, he's like, I know you've heard in the news that every state is looking to, to legalize it because we need tax money. But if we do, your children will die. And he's like, thank you for listening. It's just, it's why. Yeah. I tweeted. I was like, I hope that more politicians say that's ridiculous stuff because it's only going to help our, our movement, you know, cause we saw the, they saw the backlash with, uh, with governor Ricketts, you know, so it'll just give us more fuel to the fire, baby. Absolutely. Keep getting that Moscow gang, getting louder and louder. So, right. Question for you, Kevin, biggest misconception since you started working in the cannabinoid space. Biggest misconception? That's a good question. I think the misconception, at least in my eyes, was uh, the amount of people that are locked up for cannabis. Like the real, real harsh reality of the social and racial injustice that has been related to cannabis. Because you kind of talk about it in passing, you know, and, and especially it's kind of a it's kind of a, um, a bullet point, you know, now that there's so much momentum for legalization and reform. But man, it's an issue. Like I've had Corvain Cooper on who was recently uh, released on clemency from President Trump's administration. And I had Evelyn Chappelle on, La Chappelle, they were you know, involved in the same cannabis conspiracy. And just the unfairness, man, like Corvain had this conspiracy. He had two knocks against him before. So two other strikes that were minor cannabis offenses. And this guy's living life three years later after his, you know, after his set last charge. And so he's thought nothing of it. He's living his life. He's got kids. And the guy who was put in prison off of that cannabis conspiracy basically had the right to just one day say, hey, Corvain was involved in this. And so was Evelyn. And we, they need to get come to jail, too. And there was no investigation into their you know, involvement. There was no checking to see evidence of their correspondence through text of what they really talked about. They literally took that guy's word that was in jail, who was the accomplice or involved, and brought they brought Corvain and Evelyn in jail also. And, you know, Evelyn, I think, served, was it, I don't know, I don't want to butcher that. I know that Corvain served 10 years and he was sentenced to life. So um, I was just surprised about how that process of like once you're, you know, you're, you're, you're taken in from, for a cannabis offense, how they don't do their due diligence. Even they don't look at your even track record to see, are you a you know, prior offender? Do you have a record? No, it's just kind of like they treat cannabis just like, you know, heroin or, or methamphetamine or, you know, and it, it just blew my mind, man. So that's one thing that when we talk about education and you mentioned it initially that there's just more, focus and effort around that, especially with these big MSOs to make that part of their, you know, value proposition, their pillars within their company to make sure that that, you know, those injustices are, are rewritten because it's a big problem. 
Before we wrap, we ask our guests two questions. So the first one, you could sum up your experience in the cannabinoid space into one main takeaway or lesson passed onto the next generation. What would that be? Keep learning. We have a lot to learn still about this plant and um, it's exciting. And it's, it's a plant that's supposed to bring people together for, from whatever demographic, whatever background, whatever skin color. It's a plant that brings people together to community and it helps to enhance their life, whether it's through material goods that can be produced through it, whether it's therapeutic, environmental. So just always keep that front and center that, that this plant is for use for good and to keep learning because we're barely scratching the surface and it's just exciting to be a part of it. The last time you consumed any cannabinoid product? Uh, 20 minutes uh, before this podcast started. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had like- some hurricane. Nice. All right, so let's chat out for them. So prediction time. Let's do two of them. Does New Mexico get it done? We are recording on March 19th. This won't be released until April, so you'll have a chance to kind of go back. We can record it both ways if you'd like. Does it get done today? <laughs> hey, let's let's bring it back. I'm happy to do it. I've had a great time. Um, it's such a good question, Brian. So I'm literally in New Mexico right now. This is my home state. So I have family here. I'm staying with my parents, but I'm here on business because you know everybody's just kind of on their tippy toes waiting to hear what's going to happen. So the, the landscape right now is that it's gone to the, the Senate floor. And there's been three amendments to this bill. And just to kind of back up, this has played out two years before. So they've made this a major, you know, cannabis legalization, a major topic within the legislative session. And internally, they weren't able to come up with a resolution of what they agree on for what that bill looks like to get it to the governor's desk because the governor's ready to sign it. So they're in the same situation now in this legislative session. There's three amendments that they need to resolve and agree on once that happens. They need to go to the House to implement those changes, and then they send it to the governor's desk. So they got less than 24 hours, man. Um, I'm hoping it happens because it would be great for the state of New Mexico and obviously the consumers of the state. So, uh, yeah, let's run it back uh, to, you know, to talk about if, it's, if it happened or it didn't. You know? But there's a lot that they have to do. So I'm on the side of being a little more pessimistic. But I hope, of course, that it does. Kellen, you want to guess? Um, I think I'll go the other way. Why not? I think it happens. Optimistic nice. Brian agrees. But I'm going to think it happens also. I think it with politics, it always comes down to the wire and all of a sudden they're like, you know what? We're good with these. Sorry for holding it up, but like, let's get this done. They need the money for sure, like every other state does and the job opportunity. So the last question, six months from now, MSO gang, bad, here to stay. And are they taking on the Bitcoiners, the GameStop Reddit guys? And the Bitcoiners. I think that they're going to be right in that mix, man, for sure. For sure. So they're not going away. We're going to see, I've kind of mentioned, like talked about this in, in two phases or, or, or three phases. So we're going to see first with safe banking come in whenever that's going to happen. We're going to see kind of an uptick and a spike, right? Because um, again, that's when it's not going to be just a cash business anymore. We're going to be able to bank with banks. And then that's when the institutional investors are going to come in at some point, right? The big private banks are going to invest in these companies. That's going to be huge. Eventually the NASDAQ thing. So that's going to kind of bring the elevation, the awareness of MSO gang at a higher level. And then, you know, after that, it's just going to be we're riding the momentum of what we've been riding. And that's the states legalizing. You know, I see that the states are going to legalize probably faster than the federal government, meaning like 
there's going to be more states in the U.S. that are legal, and that's going to put pressure on the federal government. So that's going to be another wave, right, and spike where we're going to get that awareness. And then the last is the is the eventual federal legalization. At that point, you know, that's where you look at when there's going to be major consolidation, right? When we talked earlier about big pharma, big tobacco stepping in and buying some of these these uh, top. Forming MSOs. So, you know, I see a lot of back and forth on Twitter and it's like, you know, people are scared and they're seeing that the prices drop this day and that day. But I agree with, you know, like you said, all the investors and leaders in the space, the Jason Wiles, the, uh, the Brady Cobbs, they're all saying this is a long game. Todd Harrison, right? Like it, it, we're, we're in, in this for the long haul. So if you're, if you're every day staring at your, you know, your portfolio and I don't know, that may not be the right approach because this is going to take time. But if you believe in it, Hey, it's going to happen. Well said. Kevin, final words? I couldn't agree more. Yeah. To wrap, like you said, Kevin, like we're in the bottom of the first and at the end of the day, we've got a ton of innings to go and the journey is going to have a bunch of bumps. And it's by like the time... The internet. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like we're, we're still so early on. They're, they're literally building the foundation for how the game is going to be played. And it's a fun thing to watch, but at the same time, take patience, right? We've had tons of progress, but still in the grand scheme of things, Still in the first. Still got a ton way to go. So appreciate your time today, Kevin. For all of our listeners that would love to get in touch with you and listen more, obviously, the Cannabinoid Connect is a great podcast. It's a really educational tool for them. Where else can they get in touch with you? Yeah, no, first and foremost, thank you guys so much. I had a great time today. Uh, you guys are really easy to talk to. It was really fun. So um, great job in what y'all are doing. Yeah, so as you mentioned, Cannabinoid Connect uh, is streaming everywhere um, on, on any type of audio streaming service that you like. We also have a YouTube channel. Um, and then I, I just launched my new website. So it's cannabinoid-connect.com. And yeah, all over social media as well. So Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me, my email is kevin at cannabinoid-connect.com. Cool. We'll link that up all in the show notes. So all the listeners out there, continue to listen for us. Give Kevin a listen, give him a review, and then give us a review also because we're competing for reviews. So (laughs) thanks everyone for your time. Appreciate it, Kevin. Talk to you soon. Awesome, man. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.